The Mac Observer's Mac Geek number 118 for Monday, September 3rd, 2007. Greetings, folks. It is the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab here on Labor Day 2007. I am Dave Hamilton. I'm here with John Braun, and we are here for a review cast tonight. How are you? Wow, you were peppy. It you must know, be the holiday. Well, yeah, we have Labor Day, which in the U.S. is different from what other countries do, but I guess it's to honor the workers, which I can't believe I'm being asked to work on a holiday. Myself. Today is us. Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, you you all know, well, not all of you, but but many of you who've been with us from the beginning know that we used to do this on Sunday nights and then moved it to Mondays because, frankly, I was exhausted on Sunday nights after, uh, you know, being a dad on the weekends. And uh, I mean, I'm dad all the time, but, you know, my my dad role kind of takes center stage on the weekends, as it were. And uh, so we moved it to Monday nights. Now, of course, today being a holiday, it's essentially like going back to uh, being a Sunday show. So I'm actually exhausted, totally, utterly wiped out. But with the help of instead of having mint tea and a beer, I've got mate tea and uh, and a Mountain Dew going here. So I am on uh, I, I, the afterburners are burning strong here <laughs> and uh, and and we're 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 in full force. So hopefully that's going to work out for us. I'll apologize Excellent. up front for talking all over you, John, because I'm just massively over-caffeinated today. Oh, I've, I've been doing pretty good there. I, I think I could, well, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> but I knew it was a holiday because I heard the, the shrill high voices of screaming children today, which normally when I stay home during the week and work at home, it's, you know, all the little kiddies are in school, but today they weren't, so. Ah, yeah, it's a holiday, you know. For them. Hey, and for more you. power to them. And for you. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I was spending time to drown out the sound of the children. I was in the entertainment center watching movies and TiVo. Oh, I spent the day at the pool. Oh, so, the pool? Oh, yeah, the, town, pool. Yeah, yeah. the town pool. Yeah, yeah. So Okay, but yeah, we got a lot of stuff here, man. We, we're reviewing. Oh, man, we got some cool stuff. Uh, you do? I do? I mean, we... Yeah. Where do we go from here? We're, we're raring to go. So uh, feedback at MacGeekGab.com is where you can write in and tell us about all the uh, the things that, that you'd like to know about the products we're about to discuss or things you have to add. Uh, you know, as with everything we do on this show, the review casts are simply another extension of the discussion. So uh, we'll let it go from there. John, I will uh, I will turn it over to you. And I believe the first thing you're talking about is. Huh? <laughs> Caffeine, nope, I'm ready to go Caffeine. here. No, 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 no. <laughs> we're all set. I got some water. <laughs> okay. So anyways, the first thing we're going to talk about. So Dave, both you and I have talked about why Wi-Fi reception for quite a bit here, especially how, especially with portables of any sort. Yeah. The, the performance is, is typically uh, inconsistent, shall we say. Yeah. That's been my experience with Mac laptops and, and yours with probably various types of machines, Mac and otherwise. Sure. But anyway, so we were approached by a, a vendor who said, hey, you know, we got something really cool here called the Wi-Fi. H-Field is the company that makes it. Um, they came out with the, came out with it in around uh, the, the end of 2006 for the Windows platform. Yep. And just due to the fact that I think there are so many people who need this sort of thing on the Mac platform, they uh, officially, though unofficially, I think they were doing tests in August, um, which was <laughs> very recent, <laughs> 
produce something from the Mac. So they shipped the copy out to me, uh, but you know, the hardware and software, and also Dave's going to get one too. Try it out. But this is um, basically the Wi-Fi is a, I guess the best way to put it is just an amplified high-performance Wi-Fi antenna for the Mac. And it also, of course, as I mentioned, runs on Windows. So here's the deal with this. So to get into some of the nuts and bolts of Wi-Fi, I'm not going to get too geeky here, but for the people that are geeky, it's the Mac Geek app. Uh, if you look at some parameters for a lot of the Wi-Fi and other type of antennas that you can hook up to a computer, you usually get certain parameters where you expect certain performance. Now, I'm going to just mention two of them that this product does, and then we're going to move on to what I thought about it. So one is something called receive sensitivity, and this is something that's measured in dBm. Um, most wireless cards tend to do negative 80 to negative 90 dBm as far as receive sensitivity. The lower or the more negative, the better. This thing does negative 98, so that's pretty good. And then the other thing is something called um, gain, which is mentioned in DBI now, or represented in DBI. Now, most antennas, uh, you know, get in the, the, like for omnidirectional external antennas, four to five, this gets 10. Mm. So... As you can imagine, now this thing, so I'm going to describe what it is. So basically, it plugs into the USB port. Okay. It's unusual. So the good news, I suppose, is that it's a standalone solution. You don't need an airport card. As long as you have a USB port, this is the antenna and this is the wireless circuitry. Got it. So now, it's all in one, other than the computer, yes. of course. Yeah. And actually, the one I have here actually comes with one of those kind of spiffy USB extenders. So you can probably go and actually I'm running it. So you can go several feet with this thing, but okay. you know it's a standard. And if you wanted to, you could replace it with your own USB cable. But I would say, you know, with RF applications, you probably want to not go too beyond what these guys are providing. So number one, of course, it's a USB device now, and then it comes with the software, which consists of drivers and application software. So when I got this, installed it all, and the only unusual thing about this, slightly unusual, now they include a nice insert that tells you this. They said, and this is one thing that. Well, you just got to be aware of with this product, you want to install the software first before you plug in the device. Makes sense. You want the drivers available when the, when the machine goes to look for them. Exactly. Because okay. if they're not there, it, it may get confused. So that's something, well, it's that they warn you, you know, right. they give you a quick install guide and it tells you to do that. And once you do it, of course, then you get their software. Um, and basically what you do with the software now, I will give you a performance metric here. So they have a separate piece of software. And if there's anything that's unusual about this product, you're not going to be accessing your wireless as an airport device through the system preferences. It's going to appear, once you install the software and restart, as an Ethernet device. It actually looks oh, like okay. an Ethernet port. So it just adds another virtual network adapter, if you will. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so the drivers install a kernel extension, and then mm -hmm. this comes up. Not as an airport device, but as an Ethernet device. So, got it. That's the way they got to do it. Yeah, that makes now, sense. Only, yeah. The only slight downside of this is that you can't use existing applications that kind of get really intimate with, you know, like a, a, oh, like Stumbler, huh? Stumblers and all that because they're looking at the Apple hardware, and not this. Of but course. this has a pretty good application built in. So once you install their application, you will then uh, um, it'll show you a window, and you know it says network adapter. Uh, USB device, and then you say, oh, you know, refresh the list of available networks. Now, the metric I had with this, so normally on my machine, which is a PowerBook G4 uh, with, you know, of course, a portable with the built-in antennas, I could normally maybe see two networks. 
okay. with the built power of the machine. When I used this, uh, the Wi-Fi, I saw, uh, I'd say between 13 and 15 networks. Wow. Okay. So remember the, 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 the figures I was telling you before about yeah, the sure. gain of sensitivity? That's why. Okay. Since it's powered through the USB port. And of course, if you get a powered antenna, well, you can do more things. Uh, well, of course, you know, other ones. But just so, so the design of this, it's probably about the size of the antenna. I think we've seen the pictures, David. It's about the size of eh, like a palm or a trio or something like that. So okay. it's a, about that size. Now, it comes with a very neat little mounting kind of accessory, I'm going to say, because you can either clip it on your laptop or just put it on a table or a flat surface. It's kind of like a... I don't know if you call it a bipod. I mean, it's like two. It's not a tripod. It's, <laughs> but anyway, so you can put it on a flat surface, and then you can still aim it. Because the thing is, with this device, because it's directional, if you aim it in the general direction of what you're looking for, you're going to get a better signal. And their application shows you two things. So it shows you, of course, all the networks that are accessible, the signal strength. And then you link to one, it'll show you signal strength and link quality. Now, it'll support a number of... Uh, you know, encryption protocols, WEP, WPA, okay. things like that. It doesn't support some of the kind of oddball ones like Leap and stuff. So they, they have plans for that. Sure. But right now, it's pretty much mainstream things that you're going to find in most of your wireless access points. But I got to say with this thing, I mean, I was just, first off, <clears throat> that I saw, <laughs> you know, 10 more base stations. And I'm in a kind of, you know, residential type of area. I went from 2 to 12 or 15 at most. That's pretty good. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> and also with base stations that, like, for example, my base station that I have in my house, when I connected with my built-in airport, and I actually have some speeds here, I was able to get about three megabits a second maximum using bandwidth speed tests. Now, of course, yes, there's network congestion and all that with those. So don't take that as a you know, definitive measure, but it's just a good relative measure. Wait, when wait, 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 slow same, down. Is that over the Internet, or is that just in yes. your house? No. So, well, yes. <laughs> So there's a, a bandwidth wait, 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 tester I'm going to link to. So I'm, it, it's an internet site okay, which so, you can do, and it tells you your bandwidth based on the, you know, so you click on a button, it downloads a big, huge file, and then it says, here's your throughput. Got it. Okay, so you weren't testing using uh, anything from, like, one computer to the other in your house, because that, that'll give you a much better indication Right, because you're not you're not dealing with your your the limitations of your cable modem, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Great. Right? Okay. I was being lazy. But. All right. Well, we'll 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 have you do that this week. We'll 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 get some some real numbers. <laughs> now now this is a wireless G device, wireless N. B G no N. Okay. And actually, at this point right now, it's Windows, except Vista and Mac OS. They're working on okay. Linux. They're working on Vista. Is you it know, universal? Uh, as far as I know, yes. Okay. Uh, and and so this thing, it, it it either sits on the table or it mounts on the top of your uh, mm -hmm. your laptop. Y you say that it's directional. Uh, it is it something where you can swivel the the antenna independently of how the mount's yes. set up? Okay, so you don't have to yes, you can. spin your computer three, around. Actually, it has a little arrow. So again, if you imagine it being the form factor of like a palm or a trio or something like that, it basically it has an arrow pointing to the direction you should point it to get the maximum gain okay. in the direction that you're pointing to. So it's, um, it's, but it's not overly unidirectional in that it won't find things behind it. It's just, it, it'll do better if it's pointed at it. Is that, 
Is that an accurate kind of assessment? Yeah. Okay. My experience was even if I was, I mean, I didn't, didn't intentionally aim in the wrong direction, but right. I never had an experience where it did worse than the built-in airport on a portable okay. PowerBook G4. Cool. So anyways, in conclusion, I mean, this thing, so whereas the, the, the program that you use to interface is different from the built-in airport on the Mac, yep. me, it is well worth it. I mean, they, these guys claim, and I believe it based on what I saw, uh, normal Wi-Fi typically claims about 300 feet range. Okay. These guys claim 1,000 feet, and I believe it. And, I've seen uh, it. And how much is it? Uh, it's $79, and you can... Uh, you know, we'll provide a link to uh, yeah. to get the product. But for people, especially, and you know, I mean, they mention all sorts of applications. It's just you know, like uh, you and I mentioned in hotels. Well, that, that's that's the thing that jumps to mind for me is that oh yeah, I mean, you know, because sometimes you're in a hotel that it's got. They say that the entire hotel is covered with Wi-Fi. Uh, yeah, right. It, you know, whereas this would make it so that even if your hotel wasn't covered in Wi-Fi, if the hotel down the street was, you'd be able to hop on and and do what you need to. Of course, you want to make sure that that's okay and you're not, you know, heading down the path of theft of service or anything. Uh, but uh, Oh, but I, I would certainly never suggest if you saw a base station with their utility that listed no security that you connect to it. That's right. Because that would just be... There you go. Wrong. All right. <laughs> uh, moving right along. So 79 bucks from uh, hfield.com, the Wi-Fi antenna. Now... Awesome. I have uh, I have two things I'm going to review. They're, they're two pieces of software. I'll do one and then and then you'll do something and then I'll do another. Um, mm -hmm. This this is a little interesting for me and it, it's sort of a uh, it, it's something that I've been kind of racking my brain about all week because both of the products that I I'm going to talk about people that use them regularly are going to know way more about them than I could ever possibly know and 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 so my intention here isn't to tell you something that that uh, that you already know but. I know there's a lot of people out there like me that uh, that find themselves, you know, I'm a business owner, find myself in uh, various situations where I've got to do work that I could either farm out to somebody and wait two weeks or I could do it myself and have it done in an hour or, you know, give it to somebody locally on the staff and have it done in an hour, even though they're not a pro. And what it, and the task I'm talking about here is web design and site uh, site updates or 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 site design. Mm. So we're going through a a. a, a uh, major in terms of looks, minor in terms of the back end, uh, redesign a TMO that you'll probably see by the end of this week. And uh, and Backbeat Media has also, we've expanded uh, our offering at Backbeat Media. We've got uh, quite a few more sites on board and uh, there should be a press release out in the next couple of days uh, about how that's all working. But uh, suffice to say that we had to update our the Backbeat Media site as well. Now, both of those sites were designed by pros. Uh, all this stuff is happening very quickly and really we could use the shell that we had at backbeat media. We just needed to kind of change some things and, and add some stuff. Uh, but the backbeat media site is very, very graphically rich. It was designed uh, to look cool, right? It, it, it's, you know, form was as important as function and still is. So uh, it was designed in a program called fireworks. And that's the first program I'm talking about. It's from Adobe. It is uh, available either on its own or as part of the uh, Creative uh, Creative Suite 3 web, either standard or premium. It's in both. And what Fireworks allows one to do is, whereas a normal HTML editor, you're just kind of placing uh, web-oriented 
widgets and 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 items on a page and maybe you're you're really even just typing and uh and it's just generating html from text and maybe you're drawing some tables or what what have you Mm -hmm. fireworks allows you a whole different angle of designing a website and really what you're doing is you're coming in as a graphic designer okay so if you've ever gone into illustrator or uh, photoshop or you know in the old days if you had or go ahead or like you mentioned dreamweaver well, so no, 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 no. This is very, like a good basic, very, very different from Dreamweaver, right? So, you, you, whereas Dreamweaver is is a WYSIWYG HTML editor where you're you're just laying out a web page. A With page. Fireworks, you're you're laying out a, a graphical page where just like you would in Illustrator, or Photoshop, or in the old days, freehand, right? You're you're using all sorts of vector tools and and keeping things. You know, you got all sorts of stuff happening and image transitions and all that stuff that's happening there kind of crosses those it it does so so what you do is you lay this out and you can either lay stuff out you can lay stuff out in photoshop or, or illustrator as well but you can do a lot of the work right in fireworks in fact i i designed a website as i as i was working with this entirely in fireworks and so you do all your stuff you can build layers and then you switch to okay now i've built what i want the site to look like graphically visually now I want to make it so that it's workable on the web and you start building slices and uh, and the best thing, the best way to think about it is let's say you've designed a really cool button on your website I mean, you've spent hours, you know, tweaking the edges of this button and putting text in the middle and making it really nice. Well, now you want it to be an element that not only stands on its own on the site, but is clickable. Well, you just draw a little box around it and it can either be a, a rectangular box or you can make it in as many sides as you like uh, with the polygon tool. And then you tell it, yeah, okay, this is a slice, and this slice is uh, is clickable, and when you click it, it goes to this URL, or this slice is just a page element, and I want it to be a separate thing, and you slice and dice your page in whatever way makes sense for you, and then tell it, bam, output to HTML, boom. And it takes this one composite image that you've now got on your screen from all these different layers and all sorts of things, and slices and dices it exactly in the way that you told it to, and builds separate images and separate HTML and it'll do it either with CSS or, or, or not depending on what you tell it to do and boom, you're done. The beauty of it. And, and my introduction to fireworks was a backdoor introduction. The backbeat media website was designed with fireworks by someone else and we needed to change some text. Now we had the text we, that we needed to change was graphically embedded into an image. Now it was clearly typed at some point in the process, but the end result was an image, a button that's sitting on the, the homepage at backbeatmedia.com. And I wanted to change some of the text there. Well, I couldn't. So I asked our designer, I said, is there a way you can rebuild this button? He said, well, I'm busy. I'll send you the fireworks file. I thought, okay, I've got fireworks. See what happens. It was, it was an eye-opening experience. So I open up this PNG file that normally is just a very flat graphic, but when it's created with fireworks, it's got all this extra stuff. And so I go in and, and it's this whole other world. And I was able to highlight the text right on the screen and change it. And because all the slices had been made prior and none of the slices had been moved around, I was able to just go change the text as part of this one big, huge composite thing, highlight that particular slice, tell it export this graphic. It did. It was the same size as the one that was replacing because, again, this slice was part of it. Now, the slice contained 
I don't know, maybe 15 different elements. It contained two text boxes, a background, a shadow, all this stuff. But all I did was change the text, highlight, export the slice out, replace the image on the server. Boom. The text is changed. Everything's happy. It took all of about 10 seconds and life was good. So that that's kind of the gist of fireworks from someone that had never used it before. And hopefully there's, there's some of you out there that are saying, Oh yeah, you know, I, I know how to design flyers in, in Illustrator or Photoshop and I've never been able to take that and, and translate it to the web. Well, this is how the pros do it, right? This is how the, the, the people that you would go and hire do it. And there's good reason to continue to hire people, right? Because not all of us have design talent and we've all seen websites designed by people like me, right? Uh, but for, <laughs> for <laughs> there's just not good. Uh, but you know, for taking something and editing some text, I'm pretty, pretty confident that, you know, I can type and maybe not hit too many typos and, and get it out there. And, and, uh, and that, you know, your time to live is, is very, 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 very quick. And you can preview right from the app and it'll open it up in, in your browser of choice. A couple of things now. So that, that's kind of the first step into it. So, so can you, uh, let me ask you this. Yeah. Can you design a standalone website with this product? Absolutely. I, I started Fireworks with no other web design app running, okay. blank page, laid it all out. I had four different layers of stuff and actually did a cool thing. I had it so that when I floated over a button, it actually swapped from what was in the front layer to what was in the back layer. Now, when it got to the web, it was doing this with JavaScript, of course, but I didn't ever code the JavaScript. I just told it when you float over this, do that. Or when you float over something, pop a tooltip up or any of that stuff. All of it's possible from within Fireworks. And then again, it, it goes and generates the HTML, the CSS, the JavaScript, whatever it, it, elements are needed to do this. Now, is Fireworks going to be perfect in every situation and generate the perfect CSS or the perfect JavaScript? Of course not. But the ability to take a truly visual app and spit to the web. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's web design on rails, right? It's, it's a framework. It's going to use some shared code. The code may or may not be exactly what you would tweak on your own. But frankly, if you're someone who's going to tweak it on your own, you're going to do that anyway. Mm -hmm. You'll let fireworks do the work for you. And then, uh, and then out you go. So that I see uh, it links to Photoshop, Illustrator, Flash, Dreamweaver. So it links to the whole suite of Adobe tool so you may yeah if you got a flash guru or a dreamweaver guru right you're going to link to their work and use this as a higher level maybe organization tool or yeah you might do your your you could do your top level design in this or you could do your top level design in illustrator and tie it all together mm -hmm. you, you know you're you're able to do it it is a tool that like i said there are people out there that the description i just gave of it is the most cursory thing in the world but it really blew me away and in addition to blowing me away was very, very helpful and in facilitating these quick changes that we needed to make. Nice. So yeah. Now a couple other things in it that I found as I was digging through. So that, you know, they did send me a reviewer's guide on this. And after I kind of had my, my experience with it, I figured, well, let me go through and, and, and see if there's anything that I missed. That's actually cool to talk about. And there's one thing that, it, it's going to be hard to describe, but I think I'm going to be able to get it. And it's what they call nine slice scaling. So, John, let's say you've got an image, a bitmapped image, and you don't have the original vector work on it. Okay. It, this is the best way to describe it. So you've got an image and it's got text in the middle. Now, let's say you want to 
take that image and make it, let's say it's 100 pixels wide. You need it now to be 300 pixels wide. Same height, 300 pixels wide. Any graphics program can do that. You stretch the image out. When you do that, though, the text in the middle now looks squashed because you've stretched it out, right? And if you had any fades or anything, maybe in the corners or whatever, they're going to be stretched out too, right? Let's say the corners were, you know, had little embossed, you know, things in them or whatever. Everything's going to get stretched out. With this nine slice tool, you go in and you design, you say, okay, look, this middle slice where the text is, we want to leave that alone. This outer slice here between the text and whatever is happening on the edge, we'll let that be malleable. And then the edges, you're going to leave those alone too. And then as you stretch, you're, the only thing that's stretching is the parts that you told it to stretch. In this instance, the things between the text and the edge which might be a fade or something. So now you've taken this fade and you've stretched it out across, but it looks really good. The text is still the same size. You've got the text in the middle. Your corners still look good, but you've now made this image twice as wide or three times as wide with my example here. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you didn't have to go back to the original and find the font and you know go through all this stuff just to resize the image without it looking like, like heck. So that's... Uh, that's the nine slice scaling. I think we've covered just about everything else that I wanted to say. So, uh, does that, did that nine nine slice thing make sense to you, John? Um, nah, I was poking around online while you were talking okay. about it. I guess the only rant I saw online is that I well, I guess it's tied to Flash. So, to do a lot of that work, you have to have Flash enabled at some point. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, if, if uh, sure, I mean, if you want to get very deep into things, but the nine slice scaling is yeah. built right into fireworks. You don't need to go outside to flash or anything to do that. That's, that's built right in. Um, now you mentioned flash. Now you can get fireworks one of three ways. You can buy it mm-hmm. on its own. It's two ninety nine. You can buy it as part of CS three web standard, which comes with, I believe flash. And uh, uh, now I don't have the rest of the stuff up. Uh, I thought I did. And I must've blown it away when we were talking below it. Yep, I blew it. Uh, and then you can get it as part of uh, Web Premium, which is fifteen ninety nine, which adds Illustrator, Acrobat, and Photoshop to the mix as well. So that's uh, that's that's fireworks. And uh, yep. and if you have any questions or anything to add, like I said, this is it, it's a departure in the way that we're reviewing things. Normally, we review stuff like John did with the Wirefire, intimately familiar with every aspect of the product. With, with fireworks, there's no way, but. I really, I didn't want to gloss over it because I really feel like there's a lot of you out there like me that don't need every nook and cranny of the product, but want to be able to dig, want to be able to grok what it does so that you can use it for those kind of big picture tasks that you need to do very quickly. And it's a very handy tool. I can see myself using this again and again and actually have, uh, I've had it, uh, for, well, I've had it for a long time, but the first time I really used it was probably four or five months ago and, uh, and find myself going back to it on occasion and really, really being able to move quickly with it without a whole lot of training. So there you go. Adobe fireworks. Nice. Thanks, John. So, you know, Dave, you and I are all about being fresh, right? (laughs) Yes. Well, (laughs) please move on. (laughs) Okay. So anyways, yes, what I'm going to talk about. So, Apple has a wonderful facility for keeping your software up to date called Software Update. We've all used it. If you don't, you, you really should go to your system preferences, software update, 
turn it on because it checks Apple and says, hey, yo, is there any you know new... I'm trying to be hip here, but I'm failing miserably. So anyways, automated software update now with full-time connections or faster connections is pretty much a reality. Unfortunately, with macOS, you only get Apple software. Well, you know, a few people have addressed this, but a, a relatively recent entry, and we're talking two things here. So one is there's a website. Tell, tell them what the software yet. is. Tell them what the software is. Should I? I'm going to yeah. tell them what the software is. The software is called AppFresh, which means keep your applications fresh. But it's weird because I want to talk about because it, it really is linked to yep. something else. So anyways, AppFresh is from our friends at MetaQuark, and they do a bunch of other software, um, HomeZone, which I've reviewed in the past, and some other things. But anyways, so we have the application, and what it does, though it's probably best to mention the application first, so AppFresh will scan your hard drive, look at all of your, not only applications, as the name hints at, but also plugins, widgets, preference panes. It'll scour your system, and it, you know, it takes a little while when you start it up, <clears throat> a couple of minutes or so, sorry, um, to find all your apps and then list them within the application. But then here's the fun part. There is a service called I Use This, which um, some of our more geeky... Uh, John, I'm going to stop you right there. The service is called I Use This. You had the, the one little momentary slide, Skype glitch that uh, that mangled the sound of that. So it's IUseThis.com. Oh. But, but sorry yes. to interrupt. Please go ahead. Okay. No. <laughs> Thank you. So much. You bet. Hmm. That was simple. I use this. So anyways, I use this as a relatively new service. Now, there are other services that do application tracking. But these guys are fairly new, but, you know, it's a pretty open community. And basically, you go to the site, and you sign up. And if you get an account, you can say, I use this application. So, and, and it's a little different from the other guys in that it, um, well, it, it shares some, some, uh, features but basically it's a application registration service you can either register an app and say i like this application here's what it does here's the latest version like a lot of the other services but here's the kind of neat thing is that this service allows you even without the application to sign up and say i use this application so it kind of is a popularity contest or a usage contest i'll say like a dick if you kind run of thing, the app, right so if you sign up and you say i use this application now the thing is, though, if you just sign up online, you don't get nearly the utility that you do if you run AppFresh. Because if you just sign up with these guys and say, yeah, I use this, I use that, you got to manually search, and it's just it's kind of a pain in the neck. But AppFresh brings a whole new dimension to this, and that AppFresh scans your computer, registers all of your apps, your plugins, your widgets, and then if you give it your... Either, well, you, you don't have to. You can either give it your account info. You don't have to. But then it'll check in and say, oh, okay, you have this. Here's the latest version I'm aware of. Would you like to indicate that you use this? So you kind of get this mix between the online app, but then this thing is so much more powerful. Now, just in addition to it showing you the applications and whether you have the latest update, and here's the cool part. You can click on an app, and if it's not up to date, it'll download Okay. The latest version, which is pretty cool. Now, it relies on people reporting and using an app often enough for them to report the latest version number. But then part of the registration process for this system, when you register an app, is you say, oh, by the way, here's the URL for the application update. Okay. So if so people submit it properly, it works great. 
so if if you uh, if I'm understanding this right, you you have it scan your hard drive and it says, okay, look, I found a hundred programs. I know about ninety seven of them. There's these three I don't know about. If you tell me about them, I'll really appreciate it because now you know you're extending the uh, the usefulness of this environment, if you will, the combination app and and web right uh, applic- computer application and then web application. Uh, because now we've got this data globally, et cetera. Okay. Exactly. So some of the the gotchas, if an application and hello developers, if you're going to release an app and you know, (laughs) the good guys do this and well, the new guys may not realize this, but always put a version in your software. Oh yeah. Yeah, Doesn't want it there. It's an extra effort especially and, and it actually causes problems because if AppFresh looks at a version number and sees that it hasn't changed, it won't know that there's something to do. Got so, it. And as a software developer, I realize this. I, I work mainly on prototype software, so a lot of times I don't put a version, but if you're doing commercial software and the vendor, which they all, as far as I know too, have a field in their file format to say this is the version number of this, insert that. Then things like AppFresh will know but, but the coolest part I got to say is that it can download it and then put it into your whatever folder you want on your desktop in a download folder, which is what I do. And then when you're done, it says, hey, you want me to open this folder? It can automatically do it. I would probably not want to give that much control. Just like when I'm set up for, for uh, you know, the OS updates in Mac OS X, I don't let it do it automatically. I think there's a way to do that, but right. I, I, like, I want you to tell me what you're doing first, and this thing will. Got it. Because you may do it. So, so I guess the real strength of this is it, it, it binds the, the convenience of an application scanning your hard drive with a user community at I use this that really looks like it's a bunch of people that are really committed to reporting good applications. I found more than one, and I don't know if you checked them out, Dave. I have because I was running this app. Um, there are a lot of apps that I found out about through this service. So it's kind of a community thing. Okay. The more people that contribute the apps that are found with this AppFresh application... It just, you know, does, uh, and you can put in comments and icons and, you know, actually it's pretty slick looking. Huh. Uh, and it's right now a preview, like 53 or something like that. And it's like, so it's, uh, there are little bugs, like, you know, as far as parsing version numbers and a few things here. I, I've had it do no damage, but realize it's still a preview. They, they don't call it a beta, they call it a preview. Okay. But to me, this is just a service that, you know, because at some point, I mean, you can't, you're not going to spend a weekend like looking at all your apps to see if they're up to date. I mean, no. come on. No. All right. <laughs> so, I mean, like you, and you acknowledge this up front, there are other services like this. The, the one that comes to mind, of course, is, is our friends who were just bought by CNET, right? Version Tracker Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it sounds very similar to this, although I think the big difference is that AppFresh and the, the backend service of I use this are both free. Is that correct? As far as I can see, yeah, there's no, there's no, uh, no money. Okay. Okay. Well, currently anyway, it's in preview. Who knows? Maybe they'll charge for it once it's released and they'd like money if you give it to them. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Well, naturally that's, yeah, it's kind of how, what makes today's world go around. So, uh, and then the other thing to, to bear in mind is that AppFresh and I use this are though tied together with AppFresh. They're not, they're not tied together in any other way. They're, they're two completely separate teams developing their, their own thing. But but like Google does, you know, I use this as is an extensible sort of thing. And obviously there's ways to tie in. And I'm not sure exactly what API they're using. I guess is they could use RSS or 
or something. They are using some open APIs. And actually, I've seen, which is encouraging, is I actually had one app, which is uh, one of the apps that one of our sponsors offers, but I won't mention which one. But anyways, there was an issue where it registered one of their apps, and there was a conflict on the site. And they have a mechanism to resolve conflicts, which is also kind of cool. So if you inadvertently report incorrect information or duplicate information, there's a way for the author, and that's another thing, authors can sign up saying, okay, I'm the owner of this application. If there's any weirdness happening or if you want authoritative information, come to me. So it's kind of an incentive for people that develop shareware yeah, or whatever. Actually, it does. It lets you classify. It says freeware, shareware, commercial with demo. You can classify the app as well. So it helps people frame when they find stuff on their hard drive. And a lot of times they may not know where the heck it comes from. Yeah. Um, sure. Well, I'd hope that wouldn't happen too often. Cool. But anyway, so it's a uh, so the combination is really cool, and I, I think a lot of people really enjoy it. Awesome app app fresh from uh, well the link is in front of you now if you're listening to this with the AAC version because Michael's just cool. so good at that stuff. Uh, all right, so the last thing is uh, like I said, this is you know two parts to the same story with me. Uh, same projects, the, the the web refreshes, if you will, of of TMO and and BBM sites. Uh, has me digging into CSS far more than I ever uh, intended, but that's okay. It's what makes the web go round and uh, and you know it gets things done. So I re- I remembered being at the Apple Design Awards, seeing this app developed and uh, or app demoed, and thinking, wow, that's really cool. And 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 it's called CSS Edit. And then uh, just uh, I guess it was about a week and a half ago, Chris Newton, the guy that uh, of Barrett Newton, who does a lot of our uh, our design work here at TMO, uh, he said, oh yeah, you got to use CSS edit. It's like, oh, that's the one, that's the one. And so in, in a nutshell, when you're developing CSS, typically, or when you're working with CSS, uh, you've CSS? got, uh, yes, cascade, cascading style sheets. So you've got a BB edit type window and it can be BB edit. It can be text edit. It can be whatever you, whatever text editor you like. And you're editing the style sheet there and then you maybe save it and upload it to the server or maybe you're saving it directly to the server. And then you refresh the web page in Safari and see what, uh, or, you know, and also Firefox and then also IE, right? Because that's how the life is these days. But anyway, you refresh it in your first browser and say, okay, yeah, the changes that I made worked or gosh, you know, I made some changes and nothing happened or. Now, can, you, can you help me, Dave? Uh, but a style, I haven't really got to this level. I mean, okay. I submit this to our online system. But a style sheet isn't so much as content as how the content is laid out. Is that a safe yeah. description? Yeah, it is. And and the, the font the, and the layout and the frames and the and how it looks, but not necessarily what's in it. Is is that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and the the real strength of it is you could have a site like TMO, for example, where you've got say five thousand pages. And you decide, okay, well, you know, yeah, we want to tweak the font size and, you know, the, the gutter on the articles should be a little bit wider. You go into the style sheet. Now, it's one style sheet for the entire site. You go in and you tweak the font size and you tweak the, uh, the, the gutter width or the padding or whatever you like and margins. And boom, it's just done, you know, site wide. So, so there's a lot of strength in CSS. And so, you know, I, fighting with CSS and save with BB edit and then open up and, okay, yeah, that's not right. Or, you know, you're trying to get something and gosh, any, everything I do, the text isn't changing. Why is that racking your brain? Well, this is where CSS edit rules. So you launch CSS edit and once you're working with it, you've got two windows. One is that 
effectively the you know the text window the the bb edit window where you've got all your your css you've got your style sheet right there now of course because it's a css editor there's some autocomplete things that are just built in so as you're typing you know you've got all the tags there the beauty of it is the other window which is a live preview of your website now when i say live preview of your website i mean live preview so let's say you want to change the font size and you've got you know font size colon 15 right highlight the 15 erase it and you want to change it from 15 to 25 so you erase the 15 and you hit 2 instantly in the preview live preview window you now see the font size at 2 then you hit 5 and it's now at 25 and if you hit 0 it would be at 250 you haven't saved anything all you've done is typed characters this is so within the application itself. Yes. And it's using not, WebKit to do this, right? So you're getting a Safari representation of what the website will look like. It, it's the same rendering engine that Safari uses. So uh, now, again, you've got to then go and check in Firefox and IE. But Safari CSS support is actually really, really good, uh, especially in uh, with, with WebKit or Safari version 3. So... Uh -huh. uh, it, it just amazing. And it really, really speeds up development time here. Beyond that, you can build your own selectors. So let's say you're looking at your website and you're like, you know, I'm changing this thing and the text isn't working. Well, highlight the text, choose build selector, and it will build a CSS selector in your style sheet that captures whatever element you had told it to get and takes all the guesswork out of it. You can totally build things. And then you can also x-ray things. It's got x-ray built right into it. And x-ray allows you, x-ray is a, uh, a, a web-based tool, but it's also built into to CSS edit where you can start clicking on elements in the page and figure out how they've, what styles they're part of, right? You know, and it'll, it'll show you the hierarchy and what the calculated style sheet is and really, really speeds up this whole process uh, and, it, and beautifully done uh, at the same time. Of course, mm -hmm. it's got it's also got version control. It's got what they call milestones so that if you wind up, you know, let's say you're developing in it and you go and you make, you know, 10 little changes. and You're like, OK, I like that. And then you uh, you go and preview it in IE or something and it's totally broken. Well, you can go back. You can, you know, look at your, your old iterations. And if I'd only started all this mucking with CSS edit, uh, we wouldn't be tearing our hair out over this uh, this TMO uh, revamp because. It works great in Safari. It works great in Firefox. And you can't click any links in IE, which is just beautiful. And if I'd started this with CSS edit, we'd be able to go back and forth and say, okay, uh, yep, here's where the problem was. Now let's, you know, rethink that or whatever it is. Because IE6 is horrendous. So that's CSS nice. edit. Cheap. $29.95. If you're doing any sort of uh, uh, CSS editing, it, this is a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. And I, I realize this isn't... Uh, an ad for it, but but uh, but there you go. Speaking of ads, our sponsor oh. for this show is Smile on My Mac with Browseback. Now, Browseback is a web history tool. When you first launch it, it goes and slurps all of your web history, uh, and you can decide if you want to go back a day, a week, a month, um, as long as it's in your Safari or Firefox history. And then it'll build a visually browsable version of your history and you can kind of scroll through it's this alpha channel thing that sort of takes over your whole screen when you when you light it up 
and you can scroll through and find things and reopen them in Safari. You can search right in there. You can narrow things down with the search. So you, you narrow down, okay, I'm looking at uh, watches and it'll pull up all the pages that you saw that had the word watch in them or watches in them, whatever word you type. And then again, you, you're, you're, you're kind of going through this filtered list, browse back. Uh, you can export web pages. When you find one, you can export it as a PDF or share it via email, whatever you like. Uh, it supports Safari, Firefox, I believe Opera and even IE in, uh, in its old incarnation, uh, on the Mac. Mm -hmm. Available smile on my Mac.com. The way they lay it out with the pages and all that, mm -hmm. how they lay over one another, it just, it's pretty snappy, but no, it looks nice too. It's, it's the way you expect it to be laid out. Yep. Smile on my Mac.com 29.95. So, uh, and that's browse back. And I think that's it. Did you, I, you know, I, I, I jumped around there a little bit, John, with CSS. Did you have any uh, clarification questions to ask me before we, uh, we ship out here? Uh, you use some words I didn't understand there, but. Such as? <laughs> well, you were talking selectors and uh, things like that, which I'm, I'm sure are part of the CSS lingo, but. They are. And, and frankly, if you. If, if you're not editing any CSS, you don't need CSS edit, right? I mean, it, it's not, mm. it, it, it's not the tool that you would say, okay, you know, and although if you had to get started with C, if you had some need to edit it, uh, this would be the way to start because in addition to doing this with your own pages, you could go and pull up any page you want, slurp the CSS into CSS edit, have it do its override for you, and then muck with it and say, okay, well, I like what they're doing on, on this page, but let's see how their, how their things work. And, and CSS said it basically walks you through all that. It makes it very, very straightforward. Uh, like I said, if you're, if you're doing, and again, I know there are web designers out there that do way, way more with this stuff than I ever will. But for a, a, a hack web editor that needs to, uh, uh, and a hack web editor, meaning me, uh, who needs to go and then <laughs> make some changes this is a fantastic app to do it with. And, uh, and again, I, I just kind of wanted to, to share that because, uh, because I know there's, there's gotta be more, more, uh, more of you out there like me. So cool. That's so, it. uh, app fresh, the one thing I mentioned, yeah, there's a feature I really didn't try, but it looks promising called snapshot. Okay. So if you have an application almost uh, like time machine. So supposedly I haven't tried it yet, but it supposedly allows you and, Again, it's beta, so be careful. But I, I found with AppFresh, all the updating features work as advertised. The uh, the snapshot thing, I haven't tried yet, but... Yeah. All right. Anything else, John? Or are we? Uh, is it time to, uh, to introduce the boys in the band? Yeah. They were having fun outside. Nice weather. <laughs> it is. It's warm out there. Yeah. Summer's over, though. At least officially, yeah, or no, unofficially, right? With Labor Day, yeah, that's right. So, uh, feedback at macgeekgab.com, 206-666-GEEK. The show notes will be at uh, macgeekgab.com, yeah. or you can click through to them from here. John will stay up all night doing them. No, no. <laughs> I'm on vacation, man. <laughs> oh, does that mean that we don't have to, uh, no money needs to change hands today? Is that right? <sighs> okay. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Oh, iPhone, iPhone Alley uh, yeah. is uh, Michael Johnston's site. Uh, 
think moving it to uh, to Backbeat Media's servers this week as well. So that's an exciting thing. All kinds of exciting stuff I, going on at Backbeat Media. Uh, we we it just the future looks great. So this is good. New Media Expo, September twenty eighth to thirtieth. Uh, John oh, yeah. and I will be there in Ontario, California. Next, but, go ahead. Well, you were going to say next year. Yes. Not in California. Oh, it's going to be in Vegas, baby. Yeah, that is a much thing, better though. for me, at least for and I'm sure for almost everybody for yeah. traveling. Yeah. Vegas is a bit more accessible by the airlines than Ontario, California. Sorry, Ontario, California. Next week, we're back to answering your questions. So send in your questions, share your tips. If you've got stuff uh, about any of the four apps that we reviewed tonight, or four products we reviewed, three apps and one uh, hardware <laughs> software solution, uh, feel free to send them in. We're happy to talk more about them. And, uh, and if you've got stuff that we missed, go ahead and, uh, and please share. This is, uh, this is a wonderful thing. 206-666-GEEK. Uh, feedback at MacGeekGab.com. You can Skype to MacGeekGab. You've downloaded this show from Cashfly Hosting and the podcast marketplace this month includes the A5 and A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, one free download from Audible, as long as you click the special link, and Browse Back from Smile on My Mac. You can sponsor the show through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network, and uh, this show went a whole lot longer than I expected it to, but... Uh, I guess that's what you huh. get for uh, apps that we're excited to talk about. So. Review cast. Another one under our belt. There's going to be more. Way more. I got a pile of stuff to talk about. Me too. I got a pile here in my office. <laughs> Welcome to the club. We've got jackets. You know, when you're going through all that stuff, uh, there's one thing you want to make sure of, John. You know what that is? <laughs> Not to get caught. Made up.